It's the internet, you're busy, let's do this. Welcome to the Games Beat Decides podcast. It's the podcast where we decide everything in the world of games so you don't have to think for yourself. I'm your host, Jeffrey Grubb. With me is... Me, Mike Minotti. I decide that Jeff sucks. Uh, and me, me, Bob Gardner. Uh, I decided that Mike is secretly a space brain. Yay. Uh, I, I haven't decided anything yet. I should, I, I should decide. I de- I've decided that we all look far too much alike. We look like a, <laughs> we look like the galaxy exploding brain meme thing, but like yeah. if it was just white guys with facial hair. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know why Mike is the exploding brain, but he just is. You're the end of the evolution. Mike. Yeah. yeah my bad. I'm early, I'm early man. Um, yeah, so today we're going to get into some news, we're going to talk about some games, and then we're going to talk about why PUBG should be considered for Game of the Year. Uh, I why it shouldn't? Uh, no, because I said so, so Who it is. Who said I agree with you? <laughs> I mean, I mean, surely if you don't, you're just wrong. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see about you, this. Mike, you ignorant slut. Uh, but first, I want to thank everyone for joining us. Uh, you can get more from me and Mike at gamesbeat.com. Uh, if you have something to share with us, you can email this podcast at games plus podcast adventurebeat.com. That's the plus sign. We have Twitter accounts as well uh, at gamesbeat or at GB decides. If you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube or Twitch, you can uh, subscribe to the audio version of this show. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere where pods are caught. And finally, if you like the show, rate us on Apple Podcasts because that makes a difference in my life. So, guys, how's it going? Oh, that good, huh? That good. All right. Wait for Christmas to like, like I'm already listening to Christmas music and stuff, yep. but like I'm a freak, so I'm ready for like well, no, wait, wait, to start doing it. Stop, Bob. What's your opinion? When is it okay to start listening to Christmas music? Never. Just don't, don't. Never. Don't fucking say that. I knew. I knew. I could just tell as soon as I asked that question. He's going to be one of those that says never. Yeah, ne- never. The, there is no excuse to listen to Christmas what music about ever. Christmas. The, the, though, though. <laughs> though Christmas music in America is very different to Christmas music in Britain, so I have been listening to some because they're a completely different musical song. Oh, okay. Well, I, I need a little history here. Do you guys okay. just listen to Paul McCartney simply having wonderful <laughs> Christmas time on repeat? Oh, no. I hate so, that one. So, so Britain has like uh, the usual top charts that most countries have, right? Uh, but like the Christmas number one is a big thing in the UK. So what happens is collectively over the course of like the last. 50 years we've had all of these christmas number ones come out and thus what happens is sometime around you know uh november the 6th immediately after bonfire night um it it's just christmas number ones until the end of december wait is, is this isn't this like one of the plots in what is that movie that christmas movie or new yeah. Year's movie what is yeah, that um i can't want to say say anything horny. but that's not right yeah, all, yeah, all the horny Britons. All yeah, the horny British actors. That's, that's the name of that movie. It, <laughs> Bob's face. No, the one with like, with like Hugh Grant. Yeah. Um, he might love be actually. Love I, actually. I, I mean, he's love in actually. all of the British movies. Lo- love actually. That's it. Yes. Uh, I feel like they like. Have, yeah, there's a story about like an old rock and roller who's trying to get back into popularity by having a Christmas hit. Oh yeah, so, yeah. Like, that, that's like a totally standard thing. And then there's like, yeah, um, that's crazy. Okay, all right. I guess it makes sense, but it's just, it still seems crazy. So, so that I learned anything from Love Actually. You did entirely by accident. Yeah. You didn't know yeah. till now, but you did. Yeah. Um. And yeah. So it means we have completely different Christmas songs, like completely different. So, um, oh, what's it called? The the something or other Navidad one. The the Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Totally never heard it until two years ago when uh, I moved to America. Oh, really? Missing out. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Did you ever have a Chi Chi's? Probably not. 
Probably not. I, probably I have no have idea what that even is. They probably didn't right have a Chi Chi's in England, Mike. No. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, so, okay. so, I mean, I, either way, the answer is never. But, right, you know, I, I'm willing to accept it if there is new Christmas songs that haven't been played to death over the first 30 years of my life. Well, Jeff, Mike, I, I demand November that we have 1st. a Christmas version of a theme song starting next week until the holidays are over. So. That is not a bad idea. I love it. Is, does Nights have a good, like, what's a good game? Yes, Nights into Dreams has a Christmas version. It's great. Okay, or, let's, or at least we'll, there was we'll an OC that. remix that someone did. I'll, I'll get it for, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, we'll, we'll oh, totally oh, use that. Okay, I'm into it. Uh, yeah, Mike, I'm uh, okay, here. I've gotten to a point in my life where if I don't actively begin anticipating something at least two months out, then it flies by so fast that it might, might as well not have happened at all. Yeah, and I really like Christmas time, so I want to make it count. So I'm like, November 1st, the day after Halloween, let's just let's embrace this commercial bullshit. I am into it. Give me, like, I'm turning the, the radio on. It just turned into Christmas music. I'm, yeah, I'm here for it. Do hey, it. Yeah, at make least you're honest. Hey, yeah. Jeff, what have you been playing? Yeah, so... <laughs> Speaking of Christmas, a lot of games came out, uh, especially on the Switch. Let's um, let's start there. Skyrim, Rocket League, and Doom—a bunch of ports. Um, I've uh, I spent the most time with Doom just because it came out the, like the earliest, uh, and that game is uh, just sort of shocking that it works at all on the system. Um, I might have talked about it a little bit last last week, but I just kind of in, in uh, terms of this whole idea of bringing older games over to the Switch. I've uh, I've started the, to realize maybe like some of these games can work. Doom does work because it's on an engine that does scale down really well. Um, Rocket League has uh, is having a much rougher time um, to get down on the handheld version, like in handheld mode where it has a little less power, uh, a little less uh, you know processor speed. Uh, they've they're like their sub 720p uh, resolution it re- resolution. Uh, it's like 576 or something like that. I think it looks actually kind of cool. I think I kind of like the way it looks, but it is rough. Like, there's no getting around it. They wanted to hit 60 frames per second, so they just cranked down that resolution, turned off a bunch of effects. Uh, and, you know, I still think it works. It still plays. Uh, once the game is in motion, <coughs> it's fine. You don't you don't even think about it anymore. It just looks like Rocket League at that point. Um, but it's on Unreal Engine 3, which is a, an engine that just didn't scale down very well. Uh, if it, it was on Unreal, Unreal Engine 4, I think it might have had a better chance. Um, Skyrim, an Xbox 360 game, and I can only say so much about that this game until Thursday, but I will say, uh, you know, playing that game and and kind of seeing like, oh, yeah, this was on Xbox 360. They probably just ported that version of it. It works fine. It's like, this is just, a, this is the game I remember. So, I, mean, so I, I, still, I still don't own a Switch, but I've heard real good things about Doom. It's, it's amazing. It's impossible that this game is on Switch. Um, you know, if, have you played... Doom proper? Like, have you played? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I played yeah, actual okay, yeah, Doom. I figured. Yeah. Right. Um, it's the same experience. It is 30 frames per second. There's no getting around that, but it works just fine. Like, it's still Doom. Uh, and the fact that, it, like, when you go, when you take Rocket League from the cons, from the docked version, and you go handheld, you do see a huge drop. Like, there's a huge visual difference. With Doom, there might be, but you don't really notice it. First, they're using really good, like, uh, temporal, like, anti-aliasing, which, you know, like, is... It must be really well baked into that engine because it just looks great. Like it really does kind of eat up all those jagged edges to the point where you don't notice it. Because I think that game is also running lower than 720p in handheld mode. I mean, temporal uh, anti-aliasing is basically magic anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's it's yeah, absolutely. But they don't have it at all in Rocket League, you know. So you don't get any of that. Um, <clears throat> and so, like when you so when you take Doom from the docked version to the handheld, you don't really you don't ever you don't see it. Like it looks the same, and it still it, it still feels like this is 
someone doing some dark deeds to make this happen. Someone somewhere is chanting to the actual Mars Satan to get this game to run at all times. So yeah, they're sacrificing humans over at id. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm really happy with that. I I who knows how these games are going to sell. Um, I I imagine Skyrim and Rocket League are probably going to do pretty well. I think Doom now that's kind of picking up some word of mouth probably will as well. And I hope we kind of get more games in this vein. Um, I, I do wonder if there's a there's a like a Switch core audience mismatch with Doom. No, maybe, but I don't think so anymore. It's not the same anymore. Cause uh, I, I was making this point on Twitter that uh, we got to a point where the the Switch really feels like the PS4 for everybody who can't spend all day posting on Reset Era or uh, on on Reddit forums and stuff like that. Because uh, PlayStation Four is a core gamers system, and there's a lot of core gamers. But the PlayStation Four is game is a system. You have to take over the TV in your family room, or you have to have a separate room dedicated to gaming. It's a very different thing. Uh, and you know, that audience exists clearly. And, and, you know, sometimes I'm a part of it more often than not though, I am sharing the family room with my, my you know, my wife and, you know, we're watching stuff together and I'm not going to take over the TV just to play a game and force her to watch or like, go away. So I get out the switch and you realize that this is like a, a, a blue ocean strategy that looks inward towards the core gamer because you know, I still want to, I still want to play the same games. I still want to play all the games I was playing. I was playing on my PlayStation four, but now I could do it at any time, anywhere, any place. And I could take it with me and I don't have to worry about like getting to a point where like, Oh, I got a trip coming up. So I got to put this game away and I'm never going to touch it again. That that's those sort of problems disappear. And you realize, okay, this really is a huge thing. It's a huge deal. Uh, and you know, these games just continue to prove that to me with the switch over and over. So, um, let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, there's some games that I, you know, I just, I've been playing that I've been playing for a while now, Mario, uh, I, not, not much else to say other than I, I did, I did beat the dark side of the moon today. Um, the dark side or darker side? Dark, dark side. I, I haven't even unlocked the darker side. Yet. I feel like I'm really close. So you just spoiled it, Mike. Thank you uh, for that. You're the worst. Hey, no. No, I know. That's no big deal. I don't care. You know that's um, there. <laughs> I didn't know. This is the first, literally the first time in my life I've ever heard darker side. <laughs> um, but uh, that, that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I honestly don't care about spoilers either. So um, like, I'm excited to get to that point. I'm still like slowly collecting the star or the moons. I, I keep saying stars. Um, I easy mistake. Yeah. I get to a point um, where I can't put the game down and I'll collect like 60 or 70 at a time. Uh, and I like cashing out the levels and things like that. Although I, I, I did get to a, a situ- into a situation where there was always like two or three star or moons that I couldn't find in each level. And I started to realize that there's ones that have like cascading effects where, you do it, do something in one level, and then it unlocks the possibility to do something in another yeah, level. Yeah, yeah, there are a couple of those, and that tricked me. Yeah, mostly with that freaking uh, taxi. Yeah, the ta- I just went ahead and I just did the taxi all at once just to get it out of the way. Um, <clears throat> but there's a few others that are that are like that. It seems so. We'll see. So it's not as easy as just like, oh, I'm gonna completely complete this level right now. You have to keep moving around. And once I've accepted that, I, I like that a lot actually. Um, but we'll, we'll be talking about Mario a lot here cause we're going to be getting into a game of the year the next month or so. Yeah, I still play it almost every day. So. Yeah. Same here. It's the game I'm still spending the most time with. Although, um, I am trying to spend more time with, uh, divinity and Mike, you've been playing this as well. Yeah. I why, don't you, why don't you kind of tell me up. what, yeah. Tell me what you think. It's interesting. Cause you know, I, I played a lot of RPGs, um, a ton of JRPGs, a good amount of like Western RPGs, but more of like the kind of KOTOR on period. So I didn't have a lot of experience with the affinity engine rpgs or even kind of like the ones that are sort of like that that have been coming out lately um 
like uh, you know the the other uh, Divinity Original Sin, so some of those other ones that you know people have liked. So like like this is st this, there's still kind of a weird barrier for me on these kind of games. Any basically anything that's kind of like Boulder's Gate, uh, but this one is definitely it, it's still like complex, which is neat, but it's definitely more accessible uh, yeah. for me. Just you know what I kind of like is. You know, a lot of the uh, Western RPGs have kind of been dumbing down a lot of the actual role-playing elements, like like Fallout 4 and Dragon Age Inquisition, where you don't have as many of the options as you used to. So it's nice to play this RPG where so much of it is just like about kind of talking with people and having like a million different choices and things you can do. And then also just some of the new ideas really. I love that, like when you find a party member, they basically ask you what class you want them to be and right. stuff like that. So yeah, I'm enjoying it. If if you really want to dive any deeper on that kind of old school Baldur's Gate style RPG, um, you could do worse than Try Pillars of Eternity or right. Tides of Numenera. Right, those are like the two other ones that came out not too long ago that I was kind of like backed thinking. Tides of Numenera, and I I never really touched one of these games. I need to I need to play it. Yeah, it, I mean it's it's good. It's weird, but it's I like good. weird. I like weird. Okay. <laughs> That, that's, I, uh, that's good then. I'm at a point with uh, Divinity, Divinity Original Sin 2 where I'm like, okay, I, I'm really starting to see the appeal of these games, um, and I, I'm I'm getting into it. I, I like uh, I like that everything's kind of up, up front when you're talking to the characters. Um, you know, if you want to get rid of a character, it's just right there in the in the you know the conversation. Like that's just right there at the bottom of the list. Oh yeah, you just you go away. I'm going to take this other person with me. Uh, they surface a lot of that stuff. I, I wonder if these are quality of life changes they've made over time, or it's just kind of baked into the genre. The one thing I'm kind of having baked in. One thing I'm having like quote unquote difficulty with is like so much of the magic is based on like these kind of like area of effect like fire and water stuff, and sometimes I feel like just fire is spreading everywhere. Like yeah. everything seems to have splash damage, and it's like yeah. oh, my people are just getting caught in. I was like, oh god, I gotta separate people more. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing. So I'm still struggling because I, I I put it on tactician mode for some reason. You can't turn down the difficulty if you do that. So Whoops. I am living with my choices. Um, and <laughs> I um. I'm like trying, like okay, I'm gonna get my, my, you know, my buff people in there and like do some damage just right in there. They're gonna get in right on top of this enemy, and then my, you know, spellcasters will throw in fire and then catch everyone on fire right next to them. Like, oh yeah, I still haven't learned that lesson. So yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, it's taken a while for that stuff to. You see know what's there. interesting? I've been uh, I've been playing, but I've been watching a Quest for Glory speedrun marathon of the first four games. That's kind of a series I completely missed. That's kind of neat to watch in retrospect. Yeah, that's uh, the like the. King's Quest people? Yeah, it's or? the Sierra Games made, like, these adventure game, role-playing game hybrids, and they're really interesting. And uh, They kind of establish a lot of things that you would later see in maybe, like, a Boulder's Gate and stuff like that. Have they done, like, a... Have they done a recent, uh, like, modernized sequel of that series? No, but I think they started selling them on Steam or something. Okay. Not too long ago. Like, they've been on good old games for a while, but Steam started selling them. So that's maybe why you've heard of it. Maybe. Recently. Um... I've also been playing Star Wars Battlefront 2 in the trial mode, which is basically, it's the full game, except for, it's, well, it's all the multiplayer and three missions of single player, and you can play it for 10 hours, and then the full game will be out on Friday. Um, I played through the three single player missions, and I see what they're doing. It's a Star Wars campaign. Surprise. I mean, it's just, it's a campaign with Star Wars characters. I, I, uh, I did an interview with uh, Lucasfilm today. And like one of my questions that I had to ask, it was kind of about like the canon and working, like having like a, you know, a deep, like, like caring deeply about maintaining canon while working with like a third party company like EA and them trying to make money and like the conflict there. Um, and I'm like, what were the conversations like 
when like you put players in the role of a character that basically is killing at the beginning of the game hundreds of rebels. Like I've killed so many rebels, and I feel so bad. Uh, and like they basically they're just like, oh, we just want to like say like well, what it would be like to be in that character's perspective. And I'm just like, man, I okay. So hopefully by the end of the game they justify this because. If it's just, here's what it's like to kill hundreds of rebels, I don't know how I'm going to feel that by the end. It, yeah, it am, honestly is weird. I am kind of like, yeah, I like, they're like, we're going to finally explore like the humanity of the Empire. I'm like, I don't want to explore the humanity yeah. of the Empire. I, I agree. want them to be bad guys. I agree. Yeah, I, I, it, this game's definitely trying to, seems like, it seems like it's like, oh no, there's, there's there's two sides to every story. And I'm like, oh, maybe not yeah, this one. I want to hear the side of their story. I've seen Palpatine's mm-hmm. story. There's no two sides to that. No, no. I mean, at the end of the day, it's shooting space Nazis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so why, like, why, for, like, so, like, why am I? It's not like Call of Duty's made a, a World War II game where you uh, play as the Nazis yet, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, that would be very odd. Um, now, this is, a, you know, this is fiction. I get that they're 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 trying to tell new parts of the story. The canon is in flux, uh, and this is part like this is going to be canon, or it is canon. Um, uh, but it, it just seems weird. like she's a woman who's risen through the ranks of like the like the empire. Which the, the sense I always got from the movies is the empire was very much not for women. Like they were like yeah. it's a white dudes like it's it's basically white human supremacy uh, and also for men. And like so it's it's they, I feel like they have a lot of explaining for like how she got in the situation. Now her dad is an admiral, so he's clearly protecting her, but. Still, I, I just I haven't seen through the first three chapters her dealing with any sort of problems with trying to rise through the ranks. I I, I don't know. It it just seems like they have a lot to do, and hopefully they get there. But because otherwise, it's just going to feel out of place for me. I think. I feel like nepotism is probably pretty on brand for the empire. No, absolutely, yeah, clearly. But <laughs> no but way. I would. But they, they, like, they, they're gonna have to based off of ability. <laughs> they're gonna have to like d- deal with that though. They'll have to say that, and like, the people around her will have to be like, "Oh, daddy's girl," or something like that. And it, you don't get the sense that that's what's happening. You get the sense that like, "Oh no, she's totally competent," and and that's why she's here. And she might be competent, but everyone around her agrees that she is that competent. Um, so it's just I don't know. It, for me, it's like it does seem like it's trying to bring humanity to the like empire. Which is not maybe not going to work for me. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe not a thing you should be doing. <coughs> exactly. Right now. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it might seem a little off. Now, I, the guys that wrote the story are it's Walt. Uh, uh, God, I can't remember his last name. But he's the guy that wrote uh, Spec Ops: The Line and Mitch E. D. Uh, who worked at IGN. Uh, he was on the Rebel FM podcast for a long time. These are guys that I uh, are very aware of, like how that might be perce- be perceived. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'll finish the campaign and I'll see what I see. Um, as for multiplayer, uh, I guess we'll get into this a little bit in news, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's good. Uh, the microtransactions do feel omnipresent. And uh, this is something I, I said on Twitter as well. This game feels like it, it is, uh, feeling the effect of coming out two years after we've spent so much time playing Overwatch. Uh, yeah. Overwatch does loot, tr- loot boxes correctly. It, um, you know, we get the benefit of all the free maps and all the free characters, uh, and then we can still spend money on this game that we really like if we want to uh, to get cosmetic stuff. Um, meanwhile, Star Wars Battlefront Two is pay to win. Uh, it absolutely is. You could pay for an advantage. Um, it's you so know, weird that they did that. It's so <laughs> that's that, that's why I feel really weird about the game because I liked the original Battlefront and Battlefront Two, and I liked Battlefront One, and I. In principle, I should like Battlefront 2, 
but I feel really sketchy about yeah, games as a service in general and this implementation of it in particular. Well, I mean, I'm surprised they would let the narrative... Like, they must have known this is where the narrative would go when they did this. Right. Yeah, I I, I, I would suspect that they did know, and they're like, well, we we're, st- we're going to be fine. We'll still get our money from it. Um, I, they clearly... I, there's no way they predicted it would be this much of a backlash, but again, we'll get into that in news. Um, but, you know, as for the comparison to Overwatch, like, uh, Overwatch, you know, it makes each character feel very special, and you're playing them, they have... they. they they feel distinct and they move well and they animate in, in, in large flourishes that, that don't just communicate like uh, awe, like shock and awe, but communicate something about what the mechanics are doing and things like that. And it doesn't like this just feels like all the, uh, the superfluous animations around the characters are just like, oh, here's our Star Wars-ness. And it doesn't really necessarily help the, uh, help the player understand what they are doing with the characters. Um Especially like that hero mode, you would think that hero mode would be like here, like you're gonna have abilities just like Overwatch, and they kind of work. It is similar to Overwatch a little bit, but it doesn't feel in the same league as that game in terms of the way they play. Um, Turns and, out uh, Overwatch is pretty special. Yeah, it, I mean it is absolutely, and it came out two years ago, <laughs> which is when the original Battlefront came out. You've had plenty of time to learn. I mean, it's Dice making the game. It's Dice and EA Mode have made the single player, but um, you know, Dice is gonna make a Dice game, and I'm starting to feel like. Those games were never really super my style. I liked the first Battlefront. I did. Um, but maybe in spite of like what DICE does at, in terms of uh, a multiplayer developer. So I, I'm mixed on this one. I want to give it more time. Um, I, I hope EA gets the message and just says, okay, no, we're just going to do cosmetic items. Here's, I just here's don't understand how that's just not what you go to. But... <laughs> Because, I mean, if you're people, if you know people will pay for those anyway, why, why try to like push that limit with all this pay to win stuff, especially at these, or, you know, make it so that you have to unlock heroes with, you know, 40 hours of gameplay or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm especially for a do... game that's already, you know, uh premium price. Like at least, I mean, Overwatch was $40. You got everything. And then all the cause, all the DLC was still just cosmetics. Yeah. All, so, the, so all this, the DLC you paid for. Yeah. This, this is going to be an interesting conversation when we get to the games that I've been playing. Cause I've been playing a game, which is guilty of doing some stuff very similar to battlefront two. And it's the, like more or less the only negative I have to say against the game. Well, I want to hear about that now because I'm tired of listening to Jeff. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> let's lay it on us, Bob. So everybody knows PUBG. Uh, no one is going to say anything other than that the game is enormous. Um, and then I think, is it maybe four weeks or six weeks ago, um, the Fortnite team released Fortnite Battle Royale. It, four to six weeks, that sounds right. Yeah. Yep. So I started playing Fortnite Battle Royale because, wow, PUBG is really hard and I am very bad at it. Um, so I thought, I'll try something a bit different. And it turns out I'm just as bad at Fortnite Battle Royale. Um, <laughs> but I started playing the Fortnite PvE. And it's really fun. Like, it is genuinely really fun. Like, I was surprised. Um, but it is clearly designed from top to bottom to extract dollars from your pocket in loot boxes. Now, and, uh, now, w- real quick, I mean, you said you have uh, some concerns about that in general. Let, let me just, let's set a baseline. Uh, the way Overwatch does it with cosmetics only, do you have an issue with that? Not at all. Um, okay. I, I play Overwatch, and I played League of Legends for donkey's right. years, and, like, same thing. Right, right. I, that's free, and that's free to play. So, like, when they try to sell some stuff, that's like, here's a new hero because League of Legends sells heroes. That's understandable. It's a free game. So that's where, like, that's where you're coming from. So you come into Fortnite, and what do you encounter? 
So I encounter a game where it is possible to pay the upfront cost of the game, just play the PvE, and have a good time, but very rapidly the game becomes too hard for you to play in small groups because you don't have the gear, and the only way to get the gear is to open random boxes which are drip-fed to you as a free-to-play player or flood you if you open your wallet. The game is still fun, so me and a bunch of my friends play it. In fact, it's my Overwatch group play it. Uh, But we are getting to the point where like, it's just... It is too obvious that it is a Skinner box. Mm -hmm. And the game is really fun, and I like it, but if it continues to feel that way, I can't I can't justify playing it, right? Like Man. I paid full retail for the game. I'm not going to start opening my wallet and shedding dollars to to buy loot boxes. I'm 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 just not. And yeah. the same holds true for Battlefront too. I I think I'm I think I'm right there with you. I think that's where my personal line is. Uh if I start thinking about how my dollars will affect the mechanics of the game in a positive or negative way. Uh, I'm out because I just yeah. I can't. There's just so many options now. Why, if like if you have to pick between games, why would you pick the one where you have to be paying to like, right? Or pay or, or you can just you know, think about sure, yeah, pay or you have to like grind for it. Like why do that when you can just play an Overwatch or you know a lot of games like that? And it's just right there. Right. Have There's it. like, like it's one of the best gaming years ever. Uh, yeah. I mean, who, who has the time to deal with it? Like the only like, thing Star Wars has going for it is that it's the Star Wars game. So like you like Star Wars so much, like oh, am I gonna put up with this? I I mean I admit I straight up just wouldn't at all if it wasn't Star Wars. But it's like because oh, yeah. it's the Star Wars game, part of me is like oh, I want to, but it looks fun. But why are they doing this? It it reminds me of just as a a slight aside from games for a second. It reminds me of the the digital TV thing where it's like I have Netflix, I have Amazon Prime. And then there's like Hulu and HBO Go and like CBS All Access and all of the other ones. And I'm like, each one of these produces enough high quality content that there's no way I have enough time in the day to right. to watch all of it. So, um, so every like, like every show you release on your th- platform has to be perfect. <laughs> it has to be so good that it like uh, it keeps me around because otherwise I have so many other options. And like this is like like. Uh, Matt Piscatella, the analyst for the MPD group, I asked him a little bit ago, like when the, when this scuttlebutt started happening about the future of single player narrative games, uh, he's like, "Look, a, 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 a single player game has to be perfect to compete today, and even then, chances are it's not going to sell as well as a game with any sort of multiplayer live services component." Uh, now, and I think that extends into these games that try to do live services. If you do live services and you're not doing it perfectly, there are options that are perfect. Overwatch exists. Why wouldn't I just go play that? Like you, you can't like enter this world like and say, "Oh, we're just gonna here's our new live service game," and not acknowledge that you are competing with other live service games that you know just because they came out in 2015 aren't still eating up a huge amount of time for so many people. If it's not Overwatch, it's Rainbow Six Siege, uh, which just continues to get better and better, and you know gloms on more and more users. It's PUBG. Uh, just continue like just massive. It's not going to stop. Um, <clears throat> and you know, and these games, uh, uh, you know, PUBG is not perfect, but it's uh, it's providing what it's providing in a way that feels perfect. I mean, Fortnite Battle Royale is also completely free. So uh, again, this is a you know, you have your flavors there. There are options. It's endless options. So 
it just feels like an, an own goal. It feels like an unforced error for EA to come out and do something like this. Um, it, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we will kind of we'll talk about it more. But like in terms of like Bob, you were you're saying Fortnite. Like, is it just I? I mean, and that's like I. I wonder how the hooks even work in there because it's not even competitive. It's cooperative. Does it like put like social pressure on you? Like like oh you're like oh if you do this you'll help your whole team or something like that. No, like, how does it uh, work? honestly, it's purely difficulty, right? Like um, as you play the game, you level up and you have to do like higher level missions to progress. But you get to a point where a group of four people of the same level as a mission won't be able to do the mission because all the enemies are sacks of hit points and your gear just isn't good enough to, to, to deal with it or you don't have enough stuff to build the right traps or what have you. And and the solution to all of these things is buy pinatas. Um, sadly, for sadly for the developer anyway, the, the, the solution of my friend's group is to just play low-level horde matches. We just play horde mode on low enough levels that things don't feel like sack of hit points and ruffle stomp them for fun. Right. And and you're still getting the benefit that a lot of uh, these live games give you, which is you're hanging out with your friends yeah. and you're talking, oh, about yeah. them, which is a huge part of all of these games. Everyone yeah. does that in all these games. So if you're still able to do that without much of a, you know, yeah, that makes sense. Um, let's, uh, let's move on to some of these other games that you've been playing, Bob. How about, uh, how about Stellaris? This is one that I've, I, I've have, I have installed, I've never booted it up, and I'm like, oh, as soon as I do, it'll be my whole life. Is it? Is it your whole life? Like, how is it? So, well, well let let let's not pretend. I I haven't divorced Factorio. Yeah, no, we'll get to that. Well, I'll let you I'll let you lay Factorio on I, well, real quick. Sometimes I just think about the way you say Factorio because uh, with your accent, it's late like, at fact, night. When you're yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll just come. It'll just come to me. Factorio. And I'm just like, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I interrupted. Uh, yeah, let's do Stellaris and then hit me with Factorio. So. Uh, I have a friend called Jeff. Jeff purchased Stellaris, and Jeff was telling me a story. And this is the thing that I think really gets gets me with the game. Right, he was telling me a story about how his crazy empire and like how he got run over by some trade federation, and like it could have been uh, a weird plot from some sci fi movie, right? And it was really cool. Yeah. Um, and by the time he'd finished telling me the story over over like Facebook Messenger or something, um, I, I had bought Stellaris. <laughs> It is um, one of those games where the stories are always incredible, yeah. And and then two weeks later, I played 150 hours of Star Oh my Wars. god, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I like the sound of that. The, the game is brilliant for the first 80% of every game. Okay. Which is a bit of a weird thing to say, but like... You get to like the point of equilibrium where all the like the entire galaxy map is covered, everyone has settled into their their like borders, and then from that point on, you have either the like the military route or the diplomatic route, but they're both kind of very attrition based, which means the game slows to a crawl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes I have the patience for that, and sometimes I don't. Um, but until you get to that point. It, it's fantastic like yeah. the 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 flexibility of it like i made i made a race of monsters that looked like they were from call of cthulhu then they all turned in they i took over half the galaxy uh i turned everyone into robot or to be more precise an alien from another dimension turned all of my people into weird robots and then suddenly i lived on crypt worlds like necrons from the warhammer universe or something it's mm. it's 
it's it's a really cool game full of really awesome ideas, which if you like strategy games, will consume you for weeks. Do, do you find that you're more willing to get through that last slog if you've established more of a bond with the story and the characters throughout? Like, do, oh, you know, oh, your yeah. own personal oh, definitely. Okay. Um, the, the one thing as well that I find is... Um, the game ends long before the game ends. If okay, you know what I right. mean. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, which tends to mean like I'll get to a point where, um, so for example, the previous species I was talking about called the Bacturian Technocracy. Um, <laughs> Rosarthotons. Yeah. Exactly. Because uh, I'm terrible at naming things. Um, or awesome, depending on how you think about it. Um, I'd got to a point where my technological advancement and my fleet size was so big there was no way anyone else in the galaxy could possibly threaten me, and victory was just a matter of time. Um, at which point I'm like, no, I'm just going to call this a win. I'm 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 done. Right. And the, but and, the game doesn't have anything forward. built into it to like let you say, let's just like, let's just like fast forward here like a, a ton. And just to like let things play out like we know it's going to play out. Like there's nothing built in there to let you not, do that. Not really. There, there is alternative victory conditions, but most of those alternative victory conditions are diplomatic. Uh, and my technocratic government turned into a homogenizing swarm of robots trying to turn everything into more robots, and that wasn't going to work. No diplomacy there. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. 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 Not not about the diplomacy. So, but so definitely worth playing. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Yeah. Like I said, I got it there. I, I've heard some of these stories, and they've did the same thing to me. Where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to go pick that up right now. Um, so still factorial, really still. Yeah. Still, still, um, if, if you ever see my steam stats, don't, don't look at factorial and (laughs) never, never tell my wife how much time I've spent playing factorial because then she'll know why I'm come to bed at five o'clock in the morning. And it's probably healthier for her to think other things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, probably. Yeah. You're out partying. (laughs) Um, so like, what is it like as the game like changed and keeps adding stuff or are you just discovering new depths of the mechanics? Yes. Like okay, the game hasn't awesome. changed. It's it's more or less exactly the same as the first time I started playing it. But the scale and scope of what you can do in the game is so crazy. Uh, I mean, you're, you're basically building, um, oh, what do they call them? Like those machines where you, you like, you push a ball bearing down one end of the machine and then uh, it rolls and rolls like and you're rolls. Gonna know. And like uh, a car uh, falls out the other end. Is that it? No. no. It's, 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 Rector the, sex. No, the thing. It's got a name. The man's name. I'm a Ruth Goldberg? Ru- yeah. yeah, it's it's basically building giant Ruth Goldberg machines uh, with the purpose of like putting in ore and getting out rockets. Um, and the problem with it, depending on whether you, you, you would describe it as a problem, is you can just continuously expand, right? So the last time I spoke to you guys, I was producing uh, a thousand science a minute or one rocket every two minutes. And this is considered like the gold standard for a mega base which is to say a base so big that it will take a Core i7 and like a GTX 1080 and tank the FPS. Oh, like wow. 20. Okay. Um, I, my, my current base is an expansion of that base where I now have a little node in the center of the base, which is full of switches that allow me to turn on and off mega bases just so Jesus. that my computer can cope with <laughs> the load. <laughs> Does it uh, game, does it, does it support like multi-threading? Do you, can you take oh, advantage oh, yeah. of all your the, the all your extra power? Highly optimal. I mean, uh, uh, 
I, I work for Intel. My rig is insane right. because it has to be, right? <laughs> yeah, like, of course. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It, it would be a joke if it wasn't. Uh, and yeah, it is one of the best optimized games I've 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 ever played. It it even goes so far as to specifically highlight like CPU load versus GPU load in terms of updates per second versus frames per second. Because the game isn't graphically that intensive, but is like super CPU intensive. Um and like even then, like I, I tried running it on a Core i nine, which is like the, the the new chip. And if I turn on my entire megabase, my entire megabase still just slows the whole game to a crawl. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. That's really cool. I, I mean, so is that what you're where you're at? Where you're just like trying to see how insane and how big you can make it? Like, oh yeah, like, whoa, yeah. that's okay. All right. Uh, yeah. but what, what is the, um, what's the challenge there? Is, are, is it just finding ways to power it all? Like, how does this like, yeah, still so, game, so I'm still trying to wrap my head around. It, it's, it's all, um, it, it's like a game of, of balancing, uh, like levers, right? Like on one end you have your products, on the other end you have your inputs, like your ores and stuff like that. And nothing is ever balanced, so you're constantly chasing balance. Like, you're constantly going like, oh, this bit of factory is starved for this resource, so I need to expand. So then you expand, and then you're like, well, now I have excess resource, so I need to expand something else. And you just okay. repeat I that process over that. and over again. That almost sounds like a clicker game to me. It almost sounds like an idler. I, I want mean, to play this now. It, 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 is, it, it does remind me, actually, of, of like an incremental game, yeah. but like on a scale I've never played right. before. Okay. Now I see it. Okay. All right. Now <laughs> this is another game I, I totally have, and I just, this one I haven't installed, but I need to wait till after game of the year, and then we'll... I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm over a thousand hours. Okay. Wow. All right. That's impressive. Yeah. Huh. I mean, okay, it is well, basically, Factorio is basically my hobby at this point, I think. I'm going to, what I'm going to do is uh, what, like once we get through game of the year and I catch up on some other stuff, I'll just, I'm going to boot it up and I'll just like, I'll ping you on discord and ask you for all the pointers or something. Sure. Um, let's, uh, let's see. You got, you got one more game. You can't say a lot. Why don't you kind of give it to us real quick and then I'll, uh, I'll finish up mine and we'll get into the. So, um, I mentioned before that I played magic the gathering, uh, because I work for Intel and because I play magic the gathering, I got an invite into the magic arena alpha. Oh. Um, Obviously, I can't say a lot because the Magic Arena Alpha is still under NDA. Um, if you're interested in knowing more about it, go and, go and look at the, the Twitch streams because they're being like super open about development. Um, but it, it's like it's really good. Like it it has the level of polish you would expect from like Blizzard, basically in terms of the the actual like the game segment. The menus and stuff need a bit of work. Um, but like the actual game itself, it feels like magic. It plays like magic. It's really fun. Um, it's the interface is good. Like I have nothing but good things to say about the game. The only concern, and again, this goes back to what we were talking about with Battlefront Two, is it would be very easy to take the the like the economy of something like Hearthstone replicate it and just squeeze every drop of money out of the people that play it and i have no information about what the economy for the game is going to look like but i really hope they don't because i really care <laughs> well it's it's i mean with the free-to-play digital card game you're ultimately selling people cards it's 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 weird because I know I play Hearthstone a lot and there's always a big debate about Hearthstone's price and is it too expensive or stuff and uh 
I kind of like agree it is, but I also kind of agree that it's blown a little off proportion. So the someone in the the Hearthstone uh, Reddit did the math of how expensive we actually, it is to buy a tier We one discussed deck. this a, a few weeks back, and Mike I was like, "His math was fishy." Because his math was for like a complete collection, right? And you're never going to have a complete collection in a card game. That's that's kind of not the point. Uh oh, Bob says it is the point. No, <laughs> no, no, no one has it's all just, the it's Magic the Gathering cards, right? No, nobody does. It would be impossible. Well, not impossible. Highly expensive. Yeah. Um, but even even then, like if you, if you look at the 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 point that I was gonna make was just that it's kind of a wash between the cost of playing something like Hearthstone and the cost of playing something like Magic Online or Hex or something sure. like that. Um my problem with the Hearthstone model isn't actually the cost, it's the ability to change decks. Because I like to play uh compet- competitively. It's not really competitive, but you know what I mean. Sure. I like to play high quality decks, tier decks. Um and those change. And when they change, I want to be able to swap decks. And I want the, the opportunity cost for swapping decks to be small. Now, the problem with Hearthstone is the opportunity cost for swapping decks is I have to dust my entire deck and I get 25% of the value back. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm, say, playing Magic Online, the opportunity cost, I, I sell my deck, I probably get 90% of the value back. I do think that is the problem with Hearthstone is that it's a lot of the dust stuff. Not so much like the cost of packs, but yeah, I think it's your it's rewards dust. for like getting... It is yeah, dust. That's the problem, yeah. Uh, and I'm hoping they take a, a, an approach more like Hex, which has uh, you can buy in-game currency. Uh, you can tr- there is an auction house. You can buy and sell cards from other players in a like auction house, like in World of Warcraft, using the in-game currency. Uh, and I think that works really well uh, and has the added kind of business benefit that they get to take a cut on every single yeah, transaction. Course, yeah. Oh, that's what's that's what the Dota card game is going to do for sure with the yeah. the Steam. Uh, so, and I kind of hope they take that approach rather than the dusting my collection approach. But again, I have no information. I just hope that maybe maybe one of the MTG Arena developers is listening. <laughs> when when is uh when is that like rolling out to everybody or like? Um, the open beta, I believe, is... Uh, so there is a invite-only beta, which starts, I think, either next week or the week after. Um, and if you went to one of the physical Magic pre-releases, you get priority. Uh, and I think the plan is for the open beta to start next year. And it's, we're probably like a year or so away from final release, I think. Okay, that seems about right. Uh, that's uh, Magic Arena. Um, I'm... The only other games I've been playing, uh, Assassin's Creed Origins and a few other Xbox One X games. Uh, I will say I, I've put a few more hours into, into Assassin's Creed Origins. I'm still in the uh, starting area, Siwa. Um, but that game looks really good on Xbox One X and a 4K TV. Yeah, I bet. VR. It seems like with, with no like actual like Microsoft new game to play on there. Like that seems to be a pretty good one to get to just try. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt that. It seems like it's like a really good game. Boy, do I like the RPG elements they put in there. Um, I I really like finding the loot. I adore going into an area and like seeing the skulls over the heads of the, of the characters that are far too high level for me to take on. There's something about that. Like, I'm like, I heard that and I'm like, okay, no, I'm going to play that game now. I don't know why. I don't know why that appeals to me, but it really does. Um, it's, uh, and, and again, the 4k and the HDR, I was in a cave and I had my torch out and the torch, you know, was lighting it up and, you know, I could still see that the, the back of the cave was still super dark, but then I w- I walked into like a light shaft and the sun came through the cave and hit my character's face. And it was so bright on the TV 
from the HDR. It was like kind of like I had like turned away. Like it was almost like stunning. Um, and the whole game is like that. It's it's incredible. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really digging that. And I think you might be right. It's probably one of the showpiece games. Uh, you know, other than like Forza Seven and a few other things that might look a little better. Uh, but just in terms of like a character. All right, Jeff, game. you got to wrap your stuff up. This is going long. I want to get some news. Yeah, we're 45 minutes in, aren't we? Holy shit. Yeah, come on. Um, Xbox One X is also good. So yeah, let's let's do news. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. Actually, I'm sorry. Bob's got two other <laughs> games on here. I'm sorry. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, I, I, okay. Look at me. I came with a, I came with Divinity Sin 2. I just piggybacked off Jeff. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, uh, Bob, we will get into the news, but you did say you had something to say about Witcher 3 and Nier. Oh, no, you, it's, it's fine. So, I, so, I want to so, hear so, this stuff. I, I definitely want to hear this. This is what happens when you don't have me on the show often enough. I have I have. They know he gets to built up a backlog for us. <laughs> yeah, well, let's hear it. Okay, on so co- co- controversial opinion time. Uh, I played Uh-oh. Nier Automata, uh, oh, no. and I played Witcher 3, oh, no. and I thought they were both trash. Oh, they're not trash. <laughs> How can you possibly think that? Uh, because Witcher 3 is pretty... Uh, but ultimately, incredibly boring. No, and it controls like a pig. No. I, really, I really don't like the controls in Witcher Three. The um, controls are bad, the even even when they terrible. even when they updated them. Have you tried both yeah. of the control modules? Like they have the two different like setups for the controls. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I didn't. Like uh, and either, and and Nier Automata has fun combat, but is so cripplingly self-indulgent <laughs> that after playing the game for like 10 hours, I'm like, yeah, I am done with this. No, you have to play oh, all the games. So that's part of the charm. It's, it's weeby self-indulgence. It's, oh, no. I, I, I actually, that I do. I do see that Mike actually. I, I agree with the controls in Witcher three near. Yeah. It's indulgent, but I, it's, it, it's that's doing it in a way that's charm. New. It's like, yeah, it's, it's doing like, it in a way that's new for gaming. It's well, doing a way yeah. that maybe only gaming can do sometimes. I don't know. Look, if you're not Did ready not to accept Final to Fantasy be into 8? your heart as your waifu, it's not going to be your game. <laughs> oh, man. Did, did you none of you play Final Fantasy 8? I didn't, like, I didn't play Final F- Fantasy 8. FF8. Oh, I played Final Fantasy 8. Yeah, right. I, I, I am done with, with like, melodramatic, it's whiny. It's like, not that. Just, oh, it's very melodramatic. But I it's agree. not like... like that's good. It's like, you know what? It's... it's, it's it's Metal Gear Solid-ish. This is like yeah, there you go. There's no more Hideo Kojima game for a bit. This is kind of like a Hideo Kojima game, and I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not above that stuff. Dude. <laughs> You're not alone. I like so it. many people love this game. Uh, I, 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 this, not, this I, is why I bought them. I, got, I know. I need. I need to just get through it. Witcher three. I'll say Assassin's Creed Origins, uh, very Witcher-like. I, I don't think it's boring, though, uh, in the way that you might think Witcher three is boring. Where I can maybe see that. I don't think Witcher three is boring. I just don't like the controls. Um, I, I I did say controversial opinions, yeah. and I also know that I'm not your standard gamer, as evidenced by my factorial. Habit. <laughs> Fair I, enough. I think Nier's actually going to be once a lot of people start realizing, oh, so many people are talking this up. I think a lot of people are going to go into Nier and be like, oh, this is not actually my kind of thing. I, yeah, I do. Th- I do think the buster in your mini got out of control to a point people thought it might be more for everyone than it right. is. They're going to a lot of people are going to bounce off. It's not Bayonetta. It's different. Uh, there's there's some things there where no, I think most people not couldn't that I like Bayonetta. Bayonetta uh, my, honestly, if I have a big criticism for Nier Automata, like something that might keep it off my top five at the end of the year, it's just that it's kind of too easy. Uh, yeah, I don't think the combat combat's that deep or interesting, actually. Um, well, it's, yeah, the combat's super deep, and also it has like a customization progression system that just you can like so easily manipulate to like basically make sure you always have health and deal a lot of damage. So, so, so maybe the reason that I enjoyed the combat so much is because I played it back to back after Witcher Three. 
Well, it's definitely, I'll tell you what, it's definitely very different from Witcher 3's combat. It's definitely much more fluid. All right, Bob, give us the good word on Banner Saga 1 and 2, and then we'll get right into news. The good word is they're both great, and you should play them. Yeah, I like Banner Saga. Those, those are good games. Um, okay, let's hop into the news. Let's do this. Um, first up, EA's having a rough week. We've kind of gotten, uh, gotten into this a little bit. Um, we'll get into the, the, the details, but the real, the headline here is, I don't think you need to know more than this. EA had the most downvoted comment in the history of Reddit. Uh, before this, a guy was like, I think a guy was just like, Hey, I want upvotes or I want downvotes. I can't remember. It was one or the other. He like uh, posted like a thumbs down emoji. And yeah. Downvoted him. And everyone, yeah, everyone downvoted him. And it was like, you got like, I don't know, 25,000 downvotes yeah, or something like that. It was even close. Yeah. And then he yeah, got a hundred thousand. It was like, I uh, it's like 600,000 now. Oh, or something ridiculous. Okay. All right, never mind. Uh, Jesus Christ. I mean, I, well, you know how it is. It's worth a pile on stuff. Yeah, it's a meme now at this point. It's a meme to go downvote it. Like, yeah, it's, it's, I, so I get that. Um, this is about Star Wars Battlefront 2. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2, we talked about it, pay to win stuff. No one likes that. Um, people are playing it now. They actually have their hands on it because they're playing that trial version. And someone did some back of the napkin math that was like, oh, it's going to take you like 40 to 80 hours or $80 to get Darth Vader. Um, to unlock this hero, because in in a regular match you can you play as like a stormtrooper, you play as a droid, you play as you know a rebel or whatever. But you build up battle points throughout a match, and then you can turn those battle points in, and you can play as a, a handful of special characters, and then like named hero characters. And there's different tiers of hero characters. There's uh, you know Ray from The Force Awakens, and she's pretty high level, and she's like six thousand battle points or something. And then Darth Vader's like eight thousand. But you can't unlock Darth Vader unless you've already unlocked him separately using in-game currency. It's a whole thing. I, I think that progression system is actually pretty whack when you break it down. And it's like, it's right there. It's I just can see a bad it. system. It's just a bad system. It really is. Even beyond like the money problem with it, yeah. it's like a stupid system. It's Absolutely. It's a bad way to go it's about it. bad. Yeah. I think it's, I, I'm like, the more I interact with it, the more I'm just like, this is just bad. Like throw away how much money or time. It's just bad. On top of this, like just speaking of the time, uh, you don't like, you don't get points for performance. You don't get like uh, the the points to spend on these characters from the number of kills you get. It's just everyone gets a flat number depending on how long the match lasts. Yeah, I think they it, thought they might be trying to change that. I don't know, but that's another like what? Yep. <laughs> like uh, it, it feels like the uh, that's another just bad choice, right? Because it just feels lazy. It feels like you're not doing any of the magic to make me feel like good about playing this game. You're going to give the, the person who got 30 kills and the person who got three kills the same amount of points. Uh, and you're going to, and you're just going to say, it's like, oh, you just, here's the points. And when the people go and compare, like, oh, and it's not like, oh, you got it. Uh, like they're not like spreading out in different fun ways, which is probably how they should be doing it. If they want to give everyone roughly the same amount of points, just kind of do the math and say, oh, if someone who gets 30 kills gets this many points. And then someone who's like being the support in the back or doing these other things, give them points for other achievements. Just mix it up a little bit, cover it up, put some paint on it. At least man, like, like, come on, modern warfare one figured some of this stuff. out. Yes. It's been a long time. So it just feels broken and bad. It's worth noting though, that I, I don't even think that the start of the, the downvote flood was even truly about how broken that system was. It, and, and I kind of feel sorry for the guy that had a post it on Reddit because he's clearly some, you know, customer yeah. service drawn, super, paid by super just a job. standard PR statement, too. We didn't even touch yeah. on that. Like, uh, to I, totally I, meaningless corporate dribble. Right. Yeah. And it was just like, we want people to like have a sense of achievement. And I think that was like the triggering phrase. 
Because people are like, oh, how could it be achievement if everyone's getting the same amount of points for how much time they put in? It's just yeah, it's definitely like yeah, that was definitely the because that was in the post that got down. There was this whole like, oh, this is no, we want you to be proud of right. yourselves. So like, so like, ah. I yeah, I could yeah exactly. I, so I could see that like that's the triggering statement. But you know, you're saying like you think like what were you gonna say, Bob? Like what do you think like really got the downvoting going? No, I mean I th- I think it's that I think it's this the fact that they they went onto a gaming subreddit. And then they used the standard PR, love is hate, war is peace, truth is lies, BS, and got ganged up on for it. And frankly, rightly so. Don't condescend your customers. I mean, it's it, okay. Rightly so, to like at a certain point, it was like, okay, this is absurd. Why is this the most? Well, as it always comment? does. Right. It yeah. becomes a meme. Yeah. You're entirely right, Mike. Yeah, and then it's so like like okay. It got out of hand. Now it's just kind of funny to like make this the most downloaded thing. It's it, it is fun to pile on at a certain point because it's EA and you're not going to hurt them by piling on. It did kind of get out of hand later because develop like developers were like on Twitter and be like, oh, this is kind of this is kind of insane. We got some armchair developers trying to figure this stuff out, and then that person got death threats, like multiple death threats. Yeah, that's uh, not okay. And then people that don't even work on the game, like that just work at EA and we're trying to talk about this, we're like, got death threats and got harassment, and it's. Um, you, you're kind of touching on something actually that I think happens a lot and really bugs me, which is, uh, and I'm I might sound like a bit of a asshole here, but please, that's um, what we're here for. There are a lot of gamers who think they know how game development works, and really they bad. have no clue. Yeah, it's really bad at all. Yeah, and and there's uh, a lot. I think there's I think a lot of this does come from people identify with games they're they're they build their identity around games to a point and i can appreciate that uh but then when a gaming company does something that they don't like it is a personal front and so then they go to places like reddit or youtube and they look for people who agree with them or will validate this anger they have and then that anger turns into action and they rush out into the world and suddenly there are uh, you know, four thousand people all harassing the same person. Yeah, um, that's not. That's just not okay. <clears throat> and it's very detrimental to their cause. I think. Like, let, let, I mean, we'll say. Well, sure. Yeah. That's, I mean, because then you know, once again, now instead of being about that problem, it's it's about this thing. Uh, right. You know. Yep. It, it, yeah. Casey, Even congratulations. The, the, the talk at EA now has to become about that a little bit instead of addressing the issues so yeah it's just bizarre weird yeah gamer K- rage casey malone who like works on i think the puzzle quest games he's like yeah like well who's gonna care about the flu when there is this 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 cancer here of toxic gamers just behaving in a way that is completely unacceptable and is actually like a a problem on a much higher level like on that uh, like the order of magnitude that ea has to deal with like people mad about our business model is one thing our employees being threatened is something we could get sued for. It's something we're liable for. Like we, like if we do something and it gets one of our employees hurt and we didn't do enough to protect them, like we have, this is our whole day. Now this is our whole week. We're going to have to come up with new, new policies and HR is going to have to like do new training. It's, it's a whole thing. It's cost, cost money. And yeah. And, and it's all just cause I, some people, guy decided to be hack guy. Like look at him, look at step away from your computer, walk into the bathroom, look in the mirror, don't be hat guy. <laughs> uh, have I ever explained who hat guy is? <coughs> I'm, I'm not sure. Go, go ahead and do it. Give okay. us a lay it down for us. Um, so I used to go to a lot of gaming conventions in the UK and there's always that guy who has no personality, but he wears a hat. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I, I like you didn't do this before, but that makes perfect sense. But yeah, like, I, it, it, don't be hat guy. Like, yeah, like he, that they have one defining characteristic, and they take and like that's it. And yeah, absolutely. It's um, I, I think the the the, the issue here is, and I think this is the one way to get across to the to hat guy, for example, like why this isn't a good idea is like they are just going to distract from what they wanted to accomplish. Now EA do yourself no favors. EA is did cut the like the time it took to get Darth Vader down 75%, but look at how that was framed almost immediately. It was almost immediately framed by a lot of people like, "Okay, now please stop harassing them." Like that like the, the, they're doing it in reaction to the harassment and the death threats. So like like let's move on now. Instead of, "Oh, no, this is just one problem." Uh, we should like, there's still like issues with how the progression works in terms of the star cards, which is a really broken perk system, things like that. Like we can't really talk about that. Cause right. We're still talking about the reaction and, and, and then the re reaction uh, from the audience regarding just like the threats and the response to the threats and like the cutting the price and stuff like that. So it's a, uh, it, it just doesn't seem like it's they not- are going to accomplish what they want. Yeah. It's just bad all around. I definitely like, even though they made the adjustment, and it's probably not going to be enough, even though it was like what seventy five percent. Because like, even with the system itself, was just flawed. Right. It just and, it doesn't uh, feel like a, a, yeah. It's the it, it, the whole thing has gone away with it. Right. You hear Star Wars Battleground two, you think about uh, the progression system and this drama and most downvoted comments and death threats and a lot of negative stuff instead of being like, oh, cool, we'll play a Star Wars game for fun. Yeah, I mean, and there's going to be a lot of people outside of our, uh, you know, sure. audiences and stuff that are like this game's probably still going to sell pretty well, uh, and it's, it's probably going to make pretty a, well. It's probably going to make a lot of money from these microtransactions from an audience that just likes Star Wars a lot and isn't paying attention to any of this. Um, and you know, if, if it does well enough, EA can just completely ignore it. Way. Yeah, I mean, this is still not good in it. Yeah, at all. Like this is not. I would imagine that Lucasfilm and, and EA are kind of pretty upset with you know one another for various reasons but like who sounds like hey we're about to launch a movie why is everyone talking about how star wars is evil right now like why like how, why would you do this so yeah um we'll see um moving on nintendo plans to make 25 to 30 million nintendo switch consoles next year that seems like a lot what in the hell so it's, it's just them like being like, oh man, we better not be caught in short supply again. Or the, the it's got to be more than that because, like, I mean, it, well, you you that is you insanely high number. You postulate that maybe Pokemon is happening next year. Well, Pokemon's definitely happening next year. Uh, they've next said, year. Yeah, they've said this. They said the next main, okay. the, next, the next core Pokemon game is coming out on Switch. And there's a well, we know, I know that, but I just don't know if it's 2016. <coughs> they have a new, they have a new Pokemon game every year, and like, isn't is this year's Pokemon game a a, a, a reissue? Yeah, well, the thing is, cyclically, what the next thing would be is like a remake, right? Because that's how it usually goes. I thought this was the, a, this year was the remake. It's not. No, this no, no, no. Like, it's like it's the new game. Then it's the like black and white two or no, yeah, I get that. What, what, like, what is coming out this year? I thought it was like Ultra, Ultra Moon. What is that? Is that a new? No, game? no, no. That's Ultra Ultra Sun and Moon's like Sun and Moon two. So the okay. next thing would be okay. a Diamond and Pearl remake. Okay, all right. right? Okay, that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I mean, I guess that, I don't know if that would be a switch game. Uh, I don't know Maybe if it could be at okay. this point either, but I don't know. But I mean, look, look, let's take a look again, 25 to 30 million switches that has, I mean, what else explains that? Uh, I mean, yeah, again, this is the question we've been having trip, is what the, what the heck does 2018 look like for the switch? Cause they threw so many cards at 2017 
it's still hard to imagine what's coming. So what would you say, Bob? What was your idea? Maybe a massive price drop. Maybe, That's but why would they pro- why would they drop the price though? It just doesn't like they don't have to, and they're selling no so way. well. Like it's it's selling on pace with PlayStation Four right now. Uh, PlayStation Four like throughout its uh like the early days when PlayStation Four was by far the hottest thing. Uh, like it's right on that same path, and it's not far off from Wii's like traje- trajectory as well. Um, but even so, like even even that said, like it's gonna do like ten million since March by the end of this year, somewhere in that range, maybe like twelve to thirteen million. Um, <clears throat> right, that's crazy. But we're, we're gonna get out to next year, and just next year, it's not saying 20 to 30 mil- 25 to thirty million. Total. They're thinking about doubling the number. It's not just doubling because it's it's gonna be tripling the number because. 25 to 30 million just next year. Like that doesn't include the, the ones they've already sold. Uh, so the only reason I can, I would imagine they would be able to manufacture that many and expect to sell them is Pokemon mania is back and it's on the switch and it's a constant. It's the first console Pokemon and look at that shit. Uh, the only other idea I had is maybe China. Maybe they're expecting China yeah, a thing because there's no other single game. Even if smash Bros. was happening, I don't know if that's no, that's enough. That would be the next big thing. I don't even know if that's enough for, it's million. not. I, mean, I think for thirty million, it's got to be something with like not just mass market appeal. It's got to be something that's like part of the cultural zeitgeist, right? And there's only one really that is that way, and it's Pokemon. Above maybe all the other games, like maybe above Mario and above Zelda in terms of that cross cultural appeal. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's uh, that's just it's insane. Or Nintendo could just be doing something stupid because you know they've you know done what? that before. We always you always have to point that out. Thank you, Mike. I'm glad we didn't let that segment go by without making that point. <laughs> like they could just be like, well, whatever. <laughs> I mean, maybe they're maybe they think they're going to do some magic here and they're going to conjure it out of thin air. Speaking of conjuring things out of thin air with magic, the next Niantic game is Harry Potter. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a like, good transition. Say, yeah, thank you very much. It, um, I mean, this was the obvious one, right? Everybody said this should be what they do next, and here it comes. It's the only one that I think uh, could like live up to Pokemon Go. Yeah, I just, I just hope it's not like you rocking around and capturing magical creatures. Right? I mean, it is going to be right though, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> it absolutely. Like one, the one, the reason it makes sense is because you have the houses. Yeah, from Hogwarts, and that just makes so much sense of like the team-based mechanic of it. And the movies like, right now are fantastic. The, other the Fantastic Beast franchise is what's happening right now. So uh, yeah, so like I could, I totally could see it just being animals in the various houses competing to get the most beasts or something. But I don't know. Probably. Are you going to be in Slytherin? What are you, Hufflepuff? No, I'm Hufflepuff. Okay. I'm, I'm, Have you ever met more of a Hufflepuff in your life? I than really me? haven't. I was good. I didn't want to be the one to say it. I'm glad you said it, not me. That's all. Because you're really into safety scissors and. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Edible scissors is all he's allowed to have. That's right. Um, okay, uh, I, I'm 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 a total normie, so I'd be a Gryffindor because I suck. Um, uh, yeah, you're right. You would be. Oh, I would. Uh. Be. I would be absolutely. And it's like I'm just because I don't I don't have a personality. That's why. Uh, Rip, English, what's your house? Ravensclaw. Yeah. Oh man, I mean, we got them all so here except for the evil smarty pants. Yeah. Uh, I went to to uh, Harry Potter World. In uh, in the UK, just north of London, for my thirtieth birthday. Oh wow! Um, well, I didn't even realize there was in London, but of course there is. Yeah. Well, so it's not the same as the Harry Potter world in America because it's not a theme park. It's um, it's the sound stage that they recorded the movies in, and you get to go around and like oh, okay. see some of the stages where they recorded, and like the, there's a tour, like an audio tour and stuff like that. Uh, but one of the things you get to do if it's your birthday is you get to open the doors to the Great Hall because the Great Hall is still there. So a 30-year-old man on his birthday, boom, bitches, <laughs> like Harry Potter time. Which is, 
Which is really funny because they clearly expect the door to be open by like <laughs> six year olds. Right, of course. So there's two guys stood behind the door waiting to pull the door open. I bet more often than not, it's a 30 year old guy. I bet. I yeah, bet. Probably, actually. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You know what I can't wait for? That Star Wars hotel. I want Disney to make that shit so fast. Uh, I, my brother can't wait for that. Uh, that's that's my jam. That's what I want. Okay. Uh, that is off track. Um, so we move along. Yeah. We knew Hitman uh, was coming like a, a season two, but. We kind of now are hearing that maybe IO Interactive is just going to make a new Hitman, like quote unquote new Hitman. That's how they described it. Probably. Yeah. That's how they described Probably it again. Be better, like right? Yeah, and they're in like PR blast and they were talking about some stuff. Uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, and we got a new Hitman on the way. Um, this is, this like, yeah, you, this is probably smart, right? Yeah, because it seems like everyone liked that other. That last Hitman game, but maybe the episodic model for it actually wasn't a good idea. Yeah, I mean, there may also just be some legal issues attached to it, right? Because of the change of ownership. And- yeah, th- that's always a consideration. I, I, I think maybe the, you're right about the episodic model not necessarily being the best, but the live I mean, the live services where they always gave you a new new something something new to do each week, uh, maybe did work. I, I don't know. I. I maybe I mean, is it is that is it episodic kind of getting done? I mean, the big episodic company is telltale and they're having problems, I, yeah but right? I, I i i made this point a long time ago uh, hitman wasn't really episodic it was much more a live services game yeah it released its big it, it, it released its big like uh, each episode episodically throughout the year but it had updates every week with stuff to do in each one of those levels and having to wait to get those new levels meant you went back and played the same one over and over again and they found fun ways to like mix those things up and it really gave you time to get intimate with those levels in a way you had it in previous Hitman games. It was really important to the structure and how that game worked, and one of the reasons it was so good. So I don't know if they would abandon it. I, when I so when I think they say a new Hitman, I do think it is going to be pretty much equivalent to what season two would have been. But they don't want to. Um, they don't want the branding of season two because what do you do if you hear oh season two is coming out? Oh, well, I got to go watch season one first. I, yeah, I think that's what they're that, thinking. Like, I that's how I would kind of feel right. in a way. I'd be like, oh, I need to get to season one first before I download and they just never would get to it and exactly never playing it. so and I think they want whereas right it. now I'm like oh cool the new hitman one like that last one and I could try this out. exactly and so I think they'll do a, a lot of work to make sure they present it like that which is right because you really there's no reason you would have to play that last hitman to play a new one that the, the story doesn't matter it's all bullshit it's all about the levels and the things that are happening inside each one of those stages Game, Next, GameStop has sold through. Uh, well, it did sell through all of its Xbox One X's uh, in about twenty four hours, or it got close anyhow. Um, I, I got the. I'm getting the sense that the system did sell actually like really well. Um, I yeah. I thought that maybe Microsoft was trying to like beef the numbers a little bit by uh, like holding them back or something, but it, it does sound like that it, it actually did like capture a lot of attention, especially in places like UK where they track the numbers. It like it did. So, so, so here's my issue with this, right? Whenever anyone says I sold out of all of my X, the first question that immediately pops into my head is, "That's nice. Uh, how many X were made?" <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah. so I was going to say in the UK they actually had numbers, and it was sounds like um, it was like in the eighty thousand ish number, and it, apparently it took the PlayStation Four Pro uh, several weeks to get to that point, and Xbox One X did it in one day. So maybe there was supply constraint for the PS4 Pro. I don't know. Um, but the point is, it's like, there is some numbers there and it does seem like maybe it, it did catch on. So that's impressive. Um, <coughs> finally, last story. Take two is only going to release games that have recurrent consumer spending, which is just a fucker of a phrase. Like that's <laughs> right. Yeah, man. Rec- like, like when I was playing super Mario brothers on my Nintendo entertainment system 
If someone told me I'd have to one day consider the idea of recurrent anything, I would have asked this strange man to leave my house. Please leave me alone. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, it's just so strange. Like, that is, like, that is what they are after. Like, I, I get it. Like, you want to make money, and this is a good way to make money and to employ a lot of people for a long time. Um, but when it becomes like the, that's, that's the buzzword, uh, you know, it's, this is basically just the same thing as live services. Grand Theft Auto Online, man. Yep, absolutely. I, Here comes I, Red Dead Redemption 2 online. Yep. and It's unavoidable. I, I have two feelings about this. The the first of which is, if you take the $60 price the games were like 20 years ago, you adjust it for inflation, that game should be about $100. So, so, so I get right. game developers finding ways to drive that price to $100, yep. right? Like, we don't have to like it, but I understand why they're doing it. Average lifetime value. But, average pay per user, yep. So, so, so my my second feeling though is, do you know what else is is referred to, in my opinion, as recurrent consumer spending? Yeah, m- m- making more games that don't suck so that I'll <laughs> buy them. I mean, and, and I think this is the the point here is that they're not they're they're not Take Two's not interested in doing that. Um, I, I I like I was looking at the timeline of Rockstar Games, the Take Two company. They had a game or like a game per year, uh, a new game of one sort or the other from like 2010 up through 2013 and then grand theft auto five comes out with grand theft auto online and nothing since rockstar has not released a game since what they have released is content for gta online so you got to imagine all those teams that were making things like manhunt three or bully two or whatever just got turned to making content for this live services game because it's much more reliable it, the money's coming in every day the you know Visa and Mastercard are sending in the checks every like the, they're you know they're putting the money in the bank bank account every single day instead of just once every couple of years. So yeah, the, like we're gonna get fewer games and they're they're gonna be focused around this sort of business model. So that does mean fewer single player narrative games. It's it's sad, frankly. I mean, I I get why they do it. Again, I work for a ridiculously large corporation and. I understand how they make money, right? Like, I understand business is optimized to make money, and and thus I get why they make that decision, and I understand why it is rational for a business to do that, but it sucks as a game. It is a bummer, for sure. Um, Okay, I think it's time to move on to our next segment, so that means saying goodbye to Bob. Bob, thank you so, so much for joining us. It was It's a blast when you're on. Uh, we're, we'll try to get you on <laughs> Thank a, you for a couple me. more times before the end of the year. I think maybe you come. Actually, you should join us for like one of our game of the year like episodes to help us pick a few categories. We'll we'll, we'll give us some uh, special Bob approved uh, uh, awards out and stuff. So that'll be good. Um, we'll figure that out. We'll talk about that in the future. Uh, we're going to go to a break. Uh, when we get back, we are going to be talking about why PUBG should or shouldn't, I guess, be considered a contender for game of the year. Um, until then, see you in a moment. Have a good one, Bob. Bye. Hey you, yeah, you, the one trying to make a video game. I've got someone here that can help you, and that someone is Intel, which is not a someone, it's a company. But this company, they are going to help you as if they were a somebody and a someone and also a something. Check out software.intel.com slash gamedev to find out how Intel is making sure all the innovation in gaming continues to happen on the PC as part of the Intel Game Dev program. Again, that URL is software.intel.com slash gamedev. Sign up and start something new. And we are back. Michael Minotti, 
Uh, you wrote about the, the Game Awards thing, right? Or was that Dean? You edited him. Oh, I should fix Bob's camera. Oh, well, we could do that. Well, yeah, so I say, where's Bob? Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Bob. Left. He's gone. Uh, okay, uh, I can just delete that. So, yeah, d- uh, Dean wrote about it, but um, it, like it, the Game Award nominees. I looked at today. it. Yeah, you looked at it. You were there. I looked yeah. at it, too. I was there. I saw it. Yeah, the Game Yeah. Uh, pretty, you know, this is, these, these lists seem to be kind of the ones that upset me the least. Like, I was actually like, yeah, this all looks about right. Uh, there is kind of this, and like at the time it didn't even strike me. I was like, oh yeah, PUBG is not nominated for Game of the Year. That makes sense. And then I was like kind of brought up by other people. That game's still in early access. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah it is. That's kind of weird. Well, this is sort of uncharted territory. So, and, uh, there's kind of two sides of this. Like one is, you know, the idea that, well, it's a, you know, whatever. It's a game. It's for sale. We kind of talked that, about that before in the way we cover it. Like, look, it's practically out, but like, this seems like a whole another layer deep, right? Where like now, though, no, it's okay for games of your uh, consideration, and it is kind of weird because it is ultimately an incomplete game. But so, but you know, a lot of people say so are a lot of games that actually come out sometimes. Yeah. So it, it's bizarre. What do you think? Because you're you're the PUBG guy. Yeah. So uh, I think I don't think we're we're going to consider it for our game of the year awards. I just we are. Um, I, I have some reasoning. That's fine. I won't win anyway. <laughs> I have some reasoning why. I might win some categories. We'll, f- we'll figure some. I'll, f- I'll pick one. I'll make one for it to win. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I, have, I have my reasoning for that. But I, like, I wanted to touch on a couple things. Cat uh, Bailey from US Gamer wrote a, uh, an opinion piece about why this is terrible. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't be considered. Uh, the big thing was, well, it, you know, it, a lot, first of all, a lot of early access games. Uh, do crash and burn, and it seems like maybe it's set, it's setting a bad precedent or something like that. And I get that, uh, but she made a, a really interesting point. I thought, which is, look at Metacritic, and not a single reputable reputable site has given this game a scored review. I have written an an early access review for this game, and I chose not to score it because it's in early access. Uh, that was very explicitly my reasoning why I wouldn't do that. So I was like, huh, okay, so what is this? Why do I think it, it should still be considered for Game of the Year, but I wouldn't give it a scored review while it's in early access? And <clears throat> I, it, for me, it comes down to it's Game of the Year is about just games. It's just about like how the game is as a game. When you are doing a review, you're reviewing the game as art, but also as a product. Uh, you're taking a lot of factors into consideration. And I think when it comes to game of the year, we could throw out the idea of it as a product completely out the window, how much it costs, like whatever, like how you buy it, whether it's for sale at all, uh, just whether or not it came out in 2017 and it's a game. I think that those are the only things you need to do to qualify for game of the year. And so like for me, it just makes it's It's a perfect fit. And I, I almost, that's one of the things I really adore about game of the year uh, because we can just sort of get away from all these other, like the commercial aspects of gaming and uh, the business models and things like that. And if those if those things affect how the game works as a game, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll worry about that. We'll talk about that. But in general, I don't think we need to be like making these rules to get in the way of discussing this as a game. Yeah, I don't mean to have a classic Mike Minotti, uh, not strong opinion about it, but it's like, yeah, ah, whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, th- that's the other thing. This is all made up bullshit, anyhow. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it's not. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, we can give it the thing. like. Yeah, it's uh, we're, these are like Game of the Year, or it's just a concept. It doesn't actually. There's no physical idea or manifestation of Game of the Year. It's just an idea we all agree to kind of do because it's fun. Yeah. 
And I don't, I don't necessarily agree with the whole slippery slope thing, because, I mean, these things are case-by-case -case basis. Like, like, people can use their judgment every time. Like, these things don't happen because, like, some guy made a decision. There's a panel of judges who make this decision, and most of them think that this is a game of the year. Yeah, totally. And, nominee, you know? Yeah, fine. and it's and, and we're not we're not making any judgments based on what the game's going to be. Like, it's this is not about, like, we're not imagining, oh, what... It, what we're not imagining vaulting. Yeah, how yeah exactly. The, the complete version with, like, yeah, the vaulting and, like, uh... And everything else working perfectly. We will take into consideration the things that are broken, the things that don't work, uh, the jankiness. Like we we played the game as it is, and that's the game we'll judge. Um, to me, that's like oh, that's harmless. It doesn't mean that much. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's so big, it's so huge. We have to. It it would just be weird to be like, oh no, that game actually came out in 2018. No, it didn't. That's nuts. Um, I'm actually I wrote a, like a pretty lengthy piece about this, and that will go up, and we'll have this segment in there. So if you see me in there, hello. Um, Mike, I don't think we need to say that much more about it. We could probably, we no, can, I'm done. Yeah, we can leave it there. Okay. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to hit, nope, this button doesn't work. That's right. I forgot my thing doesn't work. So I'm not going to hit it. I'll just put it in the outro. I'll put it in post. Pretend that you hear music right here, Mike, and then tell people where they could find you on the internet. Yeah. Uh, you said your thing doesn't work. My name is Mike Minotti. You can find me at gamesbeat.com. I'm always writing there. And uh, I also do the Exploding Girl podcast every week. That's uh, at ebpodcast.com. And you can find me in Cialis commercials uh, showing up pr pretty <laughs> frequently. Uh, and also on on Gamespeed.com. And then I am also on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Jeffrey Grubb. Get me on Twitter at Jeff Grubb. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to go eat some dinner, I think, Mike. What, what are you going to do? You're going to go have All a right. drink or two? Yeah, I'm going to go drink with friends or something. All right, cool. Have a good one. Thank you for listening, everybody. Catch you next time. See you later, Space Cowboy. Is that, is that, that should Bye. be the outro. Bye. That's what they say. That's what they say. I don't watch it. I'm not a weed. <laughs> I just like to be.